Hey, I'm Rachel May, country singer, songwriter, and host of Mama's Cup of Ambition, the podcast for ambitious mamas with big dreams and little kids. Or maybe your kids aren't so little anymore, but your dreams are still just as big as ever. Wherever you find yourself in your motherhood journey, if you've got ambitious goals that you're longing to achieve, and you're looking to spark inspiration, cultivate motivation, and develop community with like-minded mamas, you're in the right place. As a new mama myself, I created this show as a place for honest and empowering conversations about motherhood, entrepreneurship, and dream chasing. So grab a notebook, top off that cup of coffee, and let's turn our goals into action plans and our dreams into reality together. Now let's jump into today's episode. Hello and welcome to episode four of Mama's Cup of Ambition. So I just want to start this episode by saying how overwhelmed I am by the outpouring of love and support that I've received for the show because I can't even begin to tell you how meaningful it's been this week to get the DMs and texts from so many of you sharing how the show has inspired you. You know, when I started recording this podcast, I felt really hopeful that it was going to land and resonate with some people. But the connections and conversations that I've had since the show launched have completely rocked my world and they have me so freaking fired up. I mean, the beautiful thing about what's taking shape here is that with Each and every message I got this week telling me how inspired or motivated you felt after listening to an episode, I got this like major jolt of inspiration myself. So I just want to say thank you for being here with me and please keep the feedback coming because it's truly everything in this season. And hey, if you're feeling extra ambitious and you want to shower the show with some love by leaving a rating and review, it really helps to boost the show's visibility, which helps others to discover the show. And it's also really helpful when it comes time to book guests and getting them to come on to share their stories with us as well. So I'm just going to leave that right there for your consideration. But last week in episode three, we talked about guarding your energy And if you didn't listen to that episode yet, you should check it out because I shared my three-step process for guarding your energy from negativity, and those actionable strategies are really going to serve you well as we dive into today's topic because we're going to talk about criticism and the limitations that we allow others to place on us. So whenever you start something new and you put it out into the world for consumption, you open yourself up to feedback. And like I mentioned at the top of the show... Sometimes that's a glorious thing and it can totally fuel you up for whatever you're trying to achieve. But sometimes the feedback may try to take the wind from your sails and it can be downright hurtful or mean. And you know, it doesn't matter what you're trying to accomplish. I mean, a perfect example of this is motherhood, right? Because we all know that there is a ton of advice flying around for literally every single stage of raising our children. And there are different schools of thought around which one is the quote-unquote right way to do it. But if we're honest, there isn't one size fits all here. We're talking about human beings. And ultimately, as parents, we all have to decide for ourselves what's best for our child and our family as we approach any given stage of development. But if you vocalize your approach publicly, you better be prepared for some unsolicited advice to start rolling in. Hell, sometimes... You don't even have to vocalize your approach for that to happen. (laughs) Let's just be real. And the same is true when we're talking about journeys in anything, your journey in health and wellness or dream chasing or even deeply personal matters like whether or not you plan to have children. I mean, you name it. If you're doing something, people will always have something to say about it. So recently, 
I had a friend ask me how I deal with the doubts and criticisms of others, and it really got me thinking. So a little bit of context here. She had vocalized a pretty significant goal, and she had shared her news really just looking for some support and accountability, but instead found herself unexpectedly sort of bogged down by the reaction she got from some of the folks closest to her. Because she was met with criticisms and doubts masked in phrases like, you know what you ought to do, and if I were you. And I don't know about you, but I feel like doubts and criticisms sting more when they come from people we know and trust. You know what I mean? If a stranger takes a swing, you can kind of just take it with a grain of salt and bump some T-Swift you need to calm down and just move it right along. But when the shots are coming from someone we know, it just cuts a little different. But here's the thing. I think when doubt or criticism is coming from someone close, you really need to ask yourself a few questions to qualify whether or not you want to take their feedback into consideration. And since I seem to be on a kick here lately with the threes, let's just lean into that and break this down into three questions you can ask yourself to qualify whether or not you want to take someone's criticism to heart. Okay, so let's jump in. So the first question I'd ask is, Has the person who's giving me feedback had direct, related, personal experience that would give them perspective that may be a blind spot for me? So now listen, I think feedback can be hugely beneficial, and sometimes you may truly have a blind spot that someone with a zoomed out view and an experienced perspective may be able to help you navigate around. But this qualifying question is really important because if you're considering redirecting something in your life based on the opinions of others, I think you need to be damn certain that they actually know what they're talking about. So let's look at my honky-tonk hero, Waylon Jennings, here for an example. So when Waylon was in his early career, he was making music at a club called JD's in Phoenix, Arizona. And he was really making a name for himself, and he was considering taking the show to Nashville. Well, when his buddy Willie Nelson caught wind of his plan, he advised Waylon that he thought the better move would be for Waylon to head to Texas instead, because Willie had spent a significant amount of time in both Music City and the Lone Star State making his own music. So he knew all too well the resistance that Waylon's brand of music would be bucking up against when he landed in Nashville. And Waylon being Waylon, of course, he decided to head to Nashville anyway, and he did in fact find himself in the battle that Willie warned him about. But as it turned out, Waylon was up for the challenge and it proved to be like a game-changing choice for both Waylon and country music as a whole. So in that case, it was a good thing that he went to Nashville. But you'll notice in this example that Willie actually did have the zoomed out view and he did have the personal related experience of his own to offer perspective that may have saved Waylon from the fight that ultimately he found himself in, in trying to make his own brand of music in a town where that just wasn't the way things were done. But it would have been a different story if that same advice was coming from a distant cousin or an uncle who had never worked a day in their life in the music industry and had never been to Nashville or Texas. The point being, who is giving you the advice or criticism matters. So in her book, Untamed, Glennon Doyle wrote, Every life is an unprecedented experiment. This life is mine alone, so I've stopped asking people for directions to places they've never been. There's no map. We are all pioneers. Mic drop right there. I mean, we all need to stop asking people for directions to places they've never been. Seriously. Okay, 
So let's move on to the second qualifying question we want to ask. Is it possible that what they're saying is hitting a certain way because maybe they're actually shining a spotlight on a limiting belief that I'm holding on to and I know I need to work through before I can move forward? Okay. (laughs) I know this is a hard one to admit. And maybe your defenses went up the minute that I started describing it. Trust me, I know this one well, and Lord have mercy, have I got a story to share with you from a moment in time when I lived through this exact scenario. So let me just set the scene for you here. It was 2011, and for the past several years, I had been leading my first band. Now, I'm going to be real candid here and say that as a leader, I still had a lot of growing to do. And I'm not sure that I was quite as self-aware at the time, but looking back at it now with the advantage of time, distance, and life experience, there are definitely some things that I would have done differently. However, what I'm also going to say here is that when I look back at 2011, I also have a lot of respect for where I was in that season and what I was trying to accomplish. I was still trying to figure out who I was as a singer and as a songwriter and trying to develop my own sound and style while writing new songs and getting us rehearsed as a band and into the studio to make a record while trying to find an audience and learning how to book and promote shows while attempting to manage and lead a four-piece band all while simultaneously working a full-time day job to pay the bills. It was a lot. And at times, it was a lot of fun, but it was also a lot of freaking work. And I was scrambling in real time to cultivate the skills I needed, which definitely helped me to develop a lot of grit, but it also left a lot of room for things to fall short of the standards I was aspiring to. And I had so many plates spinning in the air at one time that a crash landing was inevitable. It just was. So I'll admit that I could have been a better leader, and given the chance to do it all over again, I would make some serious changes. But I always tried to make the guys in my band feel loved and respected and appreciated, and I can say without any reservation that I fought for those guys, and honestly, I thought of them as family. So when the band got an email from our bass player that, when printed out, was three pages long— outlining in great detail all of my inadequacies, both personally and professionally, that concluded with the declaration that I, quote, didn't have what it takes to succeed. It felt like a freaking dagger through the heart. And the salt in the wound was that the rest of the band fell completely silent on the matter. And let me just say that when your character is under attack, silence is deafening. It broke my heart. It truly did. In part, because I had spent a great deal of time with those guys. And like I said, I considered them family. I trusted them and I thought that I was working in a safe space to learn and grow. But when I opened that email, I got the gut punch realization that actually I was never safe. In fact, every stumble I made was being carefully documented to eventually present as proof positive that I was a quote failure, as he put it. And damn, that hurts. But here's the kicker. What really hurt the most in that situation was that I believed it. Deep down, if I'm completely honest, I thought he was right. I was battling some really heavy-hitting insecurities and limiting beliefs of my own in my mind already. And friend, when you're already going 12 rounds with your own self-doubt, 
there's really no harsher commentator than the one in your own mind. That's just the truth. So all that email did was just validate my worst fears that I wasn't enough. It sounds dramatic to say it, but that's how I felt and it was soul crushing. Now, before this gets too heavy, let me just lighten the mood here by telling you that when I read that letter to my dad, keeping in mind that my dad is a veteran blues musician who's led more than his fair share of bands, his response was band drama. <laughs> Imagine that. You guys must be the first band to ever experience it. But he followed that with, Rach, those old dudes are just gig musicians. You're a star. Ugh, I love my daddy so much. He always knows exactly what to say to make me feel better. But that was the death of my band, and it sucked. It was the end of an era. So I naturally started working my way through the five stages of grief, as one does when a band breaks up. <laughs> and let me just say that in the anger stage, I did what I do best, and I wrote a breakup song for my band. And I eventually had a full circle moment a year later when I got to sing that song in front of my former bass player and some of his closest friends when I opened a show for his hero, Ian Tyson. And Ian, who I think, God, he must have been like 78 years old at the time. He heard the song and asked me backstage after my set if it was a true story. And when I told him yes, he told me, ah, I would have liked to whoop that guy for you. <laughs> I should probably be more evolved and grown up, but uh, that moment felt so damn good. <laughs> anyway, I'm happy to say that eventually I got to the acceptance stage of grief and I went on to successfully crowdfund close to eight grand in support for my first solo release after the band's breakup. And you know what? It felt absolutely incredible standing in that studio in Nashville, singing my heart out, knowing that my fans put me there. They didn't see me as a failure like my bass player did. They believed that I did in fact have what it takes to succeed. They believed in me enough to rally around and to support me, and it restored my faith and belief in myself. That's some magical stuff right there. Anyway, the point is, sometimes when we're confronted with criticism or doubt, it can be a blessing because it gives us the opportunity to check in and take stock of our own doubts and limiting beliefs so that we can face them head on in all their uncomfortable glory and then get out of our own way and blaze a path to our dreams. And that, my friend, is a powerful thing. Okay, so moving on to qualifying question number three. Is the person giving you feedback coming from a well-meaning place of love and concern but they're actually just projecting their own fears and insecurities on you. There's a line in an Amy Grant song that says, when the world begins to see you change, don't expect them to applaud. And it's kind of sad, but true, because the fact is, when you get your dreams in line and start taking action, you're going to naturally begin to grow into the version of yourself that you're being called to be. And that change can be really scary and intimidating for some of the people in our lives especially for the folks in our lives who are currently ignoring their own call out of fear, knowing that they just need to start taking action of their own. I mean, this comes back to what we talked about in the second qualifying question and our own limiting beliefs. Sometimes your action can cause someone else's discomfort simply because it unearths a desire of their own that's being denied. And we're all called to something. It may not always be clear what you're being called to, but friend, if you woke up this morning to experience another day, then you're here for a reason and your contribution to this world is needed. I believe that wholeheartedly, but the truth is we can be called, but we still have to make a choice to show up and start somewhere. 
even if it's terrifying. Have you ever seen that meme that says, please cancel my subscription to your issues? <sighs> it just makes me smile every time because it's so spot on. I mean, we get to choose what we're going to subscribe to and you can try to encourage the folks in your life, and I think there will always be merit in that, but it's not your burden to bear the weight of someone else's fear, doubt, and insecurity. It's just not. Now, that being said, sometimes our goals and dreams do have a direct impact on the people in our life. And in that case, I absolutely do think it's critically important to honor their emotions and concerns with candor and compassion. For example, Gabe and I have regular ongoing conversations about the impact of our careers with respect to our family dynamic because he and I are both ambitious and we both have creative entrepreneurial spirits. So we recognize the need to work together to ensure that we both get the time and space to express our creative callings while also nurturing our relationship and our family. Because at the end of the day, for us, family is going to be priority number one. But when I say that someone else's fear, doubt, and insecurity is not your burden to bear, I'm referring to those well-meaning friends and family members who are not directly impacted by the choices you are making in your life. Because you, my friend, are not responsible for making others feel comfortable with the way you choose to live your life. I saw a great quote the other day from Kathy Heller that said, don't be afraid to lose people. Be afraid of losing yourself trying to please everyone around you. Whew, did that just wash over you like a tidal wave the way that it hit me? Because we really do run the risk of losing ourselves when we fall into the trap of always trying to live up to the expectations of others. And I'm not saying that you need to start Marie Kondoing your friends and family, but maybe you do need to guard your energy from them. Again, Listen to episode three if you want some actionable ways to do that. But maybe you actually do need to create a little distance from certain people or at the very least establish some healthy boundaries for who you share your vision with because not everyone is ready or qualified to hold space for you and your dreams. And that's okay. One of my favorite movies of all time is Rudy. Do you remember that movie? If you haven't seen it, Oh my God, do yourself a favor and watch it. I'll link to it in the show description. But it's the true story of Rudy Rudiger and his dream to play football for Notre Dame. And when he vocalized his dream, he was hit with this wall of criticism and doubt from people who were close to him. And it hurt and it was awful. But his story didn't end there because he knew that those doubts and insecurities were not his. He knew that the folks who were doubting him just couldn't see what he knew he was being called to do. And he had to keep pressing on in one of the most inspiring stories of rejection and triumph. I freaking love that movie so much. And like I said before, not everyone is ready or qualified to hold space for you and your dreams and ambitions. And that's okay. Find your people. Find the people who can see you and all that you're capable of. The people who are vibrating at a high enough frequency to believe in the seemingly unbelievable with you. Now, what I'm not suggesting here is for you to only surround yourself with people who tell you how great you and your ideas are. I mean, let's just be real honest. We all need and love those people in our lives too. But if we really want to make big waves and achieve our biggest ambitions, we're going to need to get around people who force us to level up. And since I already brought Rudy up, let's just keep going with the football analogy here for a minute. And let me just say that what I know about football comes almost entirely from Coach Taylor and binge watching every episode of Friday Night Lights on more than one occasion. But clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. Am I right? Can I get an amen? So for all my football fans listening right now, 
please don't come for me if I screw this up because your girl is no football aficionado and I'm totally just going to wing this analogy and hope that it lands. (laughs) But every player on a team can be in pursuit of greatness as an individual and they may all have different goals or motivations, but they work together as a team to improve their craft and to get stronger because they know that by getting in proximity of people who are also striving to evolve and grow, they'll reach new heights as well, and there is major strength in that. And then you've got the coach, who isn't just there to tell the players how great they are, although that may be part of the gig from time to time, but they're there to challenge them to dig deeper and to keep going when they feel like they've reached their limits. A coach isn't going to just let a player off the hook or allow them to make excuses that keep them playing a small game when they're actually capable of going the distance and neither are their teammates. The accountability that comes from being part of a team or collective of people is a powerful freaking thing. And the football players aren't looking to every person in their life for their two cents with regard to their craft and professional development, okay? They have a designated intentional network of support that they've already qualified as trusted and worthy of confiding in when it comes to their dreams and goals. Okay, how do I do with that football analogy? Did it make sense? I hope so. (laughs) Uh, To be honest, I've had the idea rolling around in my mind to get something similar going with this podcast. I'd really freaking love to create like a goal-crushing accountability group for the ambitious dreamers here. I mean, we all need people who will hold safe space for us while simultaneously challenging us to grow and evolve. So what if instead of seeking accountability and support from everyone in our lives when it comes to our ambitions, what if we just designated a certain group of people that we could confide in and grow with and seek counsel from on the important big picture stuff? I mean, imagine having like a core group of like-minded people in your corner that you could have regular check-ins and pep rallies with. We could literally become unstoppable together. (laughs) Is this something you'd be interested in doing with me? Something that's been on my mind a lot lately, and I'd be really curious to get a better idea of whether or not anyone else would be excited to sign up for an accountability group like that with me. Anyway. Let me know. Message me on Instagram or email me if this sounds like something you'd be into because I'm thinking about making it happen. So I'll link to both uh, my Instagram and my email in the show description below. Okay. Wow. We just covered a lot of ground. So I'm going to wrap this up here. And I'm sorry. I feel like I just was like talking really, really fast. So if you need to slow me down, you know, you can do that in your podcast player. It's really trippy. I've done that just to hear my own voice talking really slow. (laughs) It's awful. But if you need to do that because I was talking really fast, sorry about that. (laughs) Anyway, if you want to keep the conversation going with me, come find me on Instagram. You can find me at Rachel May Music. That's May with an E. And you can connect with the show there as well by searching Mama's Cup of Ambition. Okay, friend, I'm really going to wrap this up here. But let's keep our chins up and our ambitions strong. And if you happen to find yourself being sucked into someone else's doubts or limiting beliefs this week, I just want to encourage you to borrow a line from Michael Scott and The Office and respond to them by simply saying, you have no idea how high I can fly. (laughs) God, I love that scene so much. Okay, I love you heaps. And until next time, Mama, may your dreams be ambitious and may your coffee be strong. I'll talk to you soon.